Welcome to The Everglow, a podcast with real advice you can actually use to live a better, happier life, especially if you're an empath. No burning sage, no crystals, no BS. Join me as I travel the world sharing the valuable lessons I learn. Hit subscribe on iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening to this to get new episode updates. What is up, everybody? Mr. International coming at you from the beautiful island of Shargao, Philippines. Just chilling out here in this really, really cool cottage or little villa, like a bungalow. Got my own kitchen, beautiful jungle view. I mean, life does not get much better than this. So today I'm going to jump right into it. As I mentioned uh, before, I'm going to start pivoting this podcast and start talking a lot more about my travels, not just empath stuff and life advice, but, you know, some of the cool places and things I get to see and do to hopefully inspire you to, you know, take more trips, figure out a way to get there and uh, just enjoy life. And my, for me, for one of the greatest joys of life is traveling, just seeing new things. And sometimes I see the same thing, you know, going to different islands staying in like resorts, kind of resorts or just cool hotels, boutique hotels that, you know, are in the, is, that are in the jungle and, you know, you're just absorbing the humidity and the nature, your skin's glowing. And, you know, I can do that redundantly and not get tired of it, even though it's in a different place. So anyway, today I am going to do some empath stuff here in Siargao. I'm going to do today's podcast on just letting other people figure it out on their own. Uh, and so basically what I found over the years is, and this is definitely an empath thing, I became the go-to guy. I became the guy for way too many people, frankly, everybody. In fact, freaking strangers I would be the go-to guy for. And you're like, what do you mean go-to guy? Well, basically what I'm saying is for some reason, people would just gravitate towards me to ask me to do shit for them. Random stuff, right? Like, especially when I was a lawyer, well, I still am a lawyer, especially as a lawyer, you know, I understand clients would always ask me for stuff, even though I have people that work underneath me, we have paralegals, a case manager that is in charge of the day-to-day for the clients. The clients, many clients would still circumvent their case manager, who's their point of contact, and they would still contact me. And what I would find out is they would actually have already asked my paralegal or case manager to do certain things that we just don't do. And when a paralegal or case manager would turn them down saying, no, we don't do that. We can't do that for you. They would now call me on my cell and ask me to do the same thing. They already know we don't do or can't do as a law firm because they just thought as an easy, nice empath guy, I would take care of them and their problem, even though it's completely unrelated or has nothing to do with their case. Because they were getting, already getting stonewalled from somebody below me. So they think by coming to me and pretending like they'd never asked anybody else before and been denied, I would just be the nice guy and do it. But beyond that, I was becoming the go-to guy for everybody, friends, family, acquaintances, if they needed something done, they would come to, to me and ask me to do it, which is no problem in many cases. What are friends for? But what was getting very 
how shall we say, irritating is that people were asking me to do stuff for them that they themselves could do on their very own. And that was very frustrating for me because I thought, well, I guess my time has no value because here I am with so many things going on, projects, you know, this year has been crazy, as you know, with like, you know, house hunting, um, the travel schedule has been really heavy this, this quarter, just so many moving parts this year in general in life. And then I would see this acquaintance or friend asking me to do something and I'd be like, but you literally have nothing going on. You have a nine to five job that ends at 5 p.m. <laughs> you don't have, you're not juggling like elderly parents. You rent. Like you don't really have much going on, but yet you need me to do this stuff for you. Um, how about this? No. Now, I this comes back to setting boundaries. And I talked about this on another podcast some years ago. But this is why boundaries are very important. <clears throat> but I don't know if you have this problem, but people, you know, because of being an empath, they just ask you to do stuff. Um, now, let's extend this further. I found when I travel, this empath stuff doesn't turn off. People would target me. That sounds really harsh, but people would, of, of a crowd of a 500 people, certain people would come right up to me and ask me for help. They wouldn't ask the person to my left nor the person to my right. They would ask me for some weird help. Here's a great example. I was in Bangkok um, and I'm, please stay tuned because that podcast on my Bangkok trip is coming out really soon. But I was at this uh, really, really cool food court, our food market that they'd built into the shopping mall. And I was just eating by myself. My buddy was, uh, I think he was in his room sleeping or something like that. He wasn't feeling well. So I was just at the food court eating or the food market. And I was eating, um, what was I eating? I don't know. It was delicious. It was these, oh yeah, it was these fresh spring rolls, which are like, oh my God. I don't know why they don't have them like that in the States. But anyhow, and I was just sitting there by myself and this large, uh, somewhat obese, blonde um, maybe in her late 50s, Australian lady with a tattoo. Looks mildly disheveled in my opinion, but anyhow. And it's at nighttime, by the way, actually. She walks by my table inside the mall, and she kind of stops and looks at me, and she says, where are you from? And, you know, when you're traveling, especially in a very touristy place like Bangkok, it's not uncommon that you meet, you talk to travelers or meet travelers. Just In fact, just the previous day, my friend Andy and I, we're at that same table and uh, a girl from the UK had stopped to eat. So we were chatting with her about living there and what she's up to. So anyways, when this lady stopped in her tracks and turned to me, even though there are tons of people around, she says, so where are you from? I'm like, oh, well, it's kind of complicated, but, uh, you know, I'm from L.A. And then she, and then she says, are you Indian? And right away, I kind of thought, OK, well, something's not right with this lady. Because usually travelers wouldn't, after you tell them where you're from, they don't just jump to conclusions like that or what have you. So whatever. I, I told her, yeah, that's my ancestry. And uh, all of a sudden she goes into this diatribe about how she lost her purse in the back of a taxi and she doesn't know what to do. I've been doing this traveling a long time and I've dealt with enough knuckleheads in LA. I smelled a rat right away because right, number one is she had a big... I think it was a brand name purse on her shoulder filled with who knows what. Um, and so anyways, I said, well, did you talk to the embassy, whatever? She said, no, it's too late. They're not answering. 
I tried to call my friends and family back home, but you know, there's a big time zone difference. And I'm thinking, okay, this woman must think I'm a complete buffoon. There is not, because <laughs> there is not, in case you're not familiar with time zones, there's not a significant time zone difference between Bangkok and anywhere in Australia. So she just starts rambling on. Then she sits down at my table in front of me. And I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Because I just wanted her to keep walking. All right. Because I knew this is all bullshit to begin with. And I'm here on my vacation. This is not the part where I'm going to get up, stop eating and go figure things out for you. And, um, you know, right away, as soon as she sat down, I'm like, oh, so I just I stopped making eye contact. I just faced my food stayed calm and didn't, um, you know, didn't engage. I was just very passive, but she just kept rambling on. But I knew where this was heading. The denouement was going to be that she was going to ask me for help financially. So she goes on and on about how she lost her purse and, you know, she doesn't know how to get, you know, pay for anything. And she said she canceled her credit cards. And I was trying to offer a little bit of advice and what didn't make sense to me is she kept waffling between getting back to her condo, her apartment, and her hotel. Well, where are you staying? You're not staying at a condo and a hotel. Okay, you're staying at one of the two. And the logical human being, even if you lost your purse with your keys, you would just go back to your hotel somehow, even if you had to friggin' walk or take a, the transit. You'd get there, and then you would get the hotel to open your door, and you'd go into your room and you'd sleep and then you'd wake up the next day and call whoever you needed to get money. So I, I knew the whole thing was bullshit. Maybe she was fishing for dr money for drugs. Maybe she's one of these transient kind of people that fall into Bangkok and the city eats them alive. I don't know. Long story short, she ends up like um, finally saying, well, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't be open to being able to help me out in some way, would you? And I was like, I just didn't even make eye contact. I said, eye contact. I said uh, no, no, I'm just terror eating. I don't really, I can't really assist you right now. So she doesn't even say a word. She just jumps up and leaves. Not even thanks for your time, nothing. She just leaves. So I'm like, thank God, mission, you know, mission accomplished. I put enough walls up. She, she knew I wasn't going to be a good mark for her. And maybe her whole story was legitimate. But there are ways to figure things out where you don't need to ask a stranger for stuff. Um, in certain situations, I get it, okay? We all need help sometimes. And even in a situation like that, a legitimate person might need help. I don't find that legitimate. If you are staying at a hotel, there's a, con there's a concierge and they can help you with a ton of stuff. Okay, you can order, if you don't have food, great. Order room service, it's on your card. They're called incidentals. Um, there, there are things you can do. But asking a complete stranger for money uh, is not the way to do it. Okay, so anyway, so I'm casually eating. Then what's interesting is five or 10 minutes later, um, I see her from the corner of my eye walking back another way. She'd probably tried to look for more marks and couldn't find anybody, <clears throat> i.e. she couldn't find any more empaths to try to take advantage of. And then she yells something at me. And I had no idea what she said, but I got the impression it was negative. And I was thinking, and it could just be in my imagination that it was a negative, but I'm pretty sure it was. And I, I, but I couldn't discern what she said and frankly didn't care at the time. But it just goes to show you that when you shut down these... Uh, emotional terrorists or these crooks that are trying to take advantage of your aura, they're going to be mad when they, when they fail because they've misjudged you. And so that's why it's so important as an empath to 
Just start saying no and get really comfortable saying no. It's going to be one of the best things you could do because an, a younger version of me, another version of me would have possibly talked to her at length, given her lots of options, which she would have most certainly shut down under the guise of her BS story. And I would have been, felt really stretched and tense. And who knows, maybe I would have given her money, but I don't think I would have. Not to mention, I don't think I was caring much anyhow. Um, but, you know, with maturity comes wisdom, and now it's just easier to say no. But there are better examples in your everyday life. I've had people just ask me to help them with things. Clients, really clients are a really good one in the legal field because often they'll ask me to do things completely unrelated to the legal matter. And, you know, I'd, I'd be thinking, well, why are they asking me to do this stuff? And I was, you know, as a younger attorney, I didn't know how to say no to people because, you know, I didn't know how to say this part of, well, I can do it, sure, but I charge this much per hour, so you'll have to pay me my hourly because I always felt like it would be kind of a dick thing to do. And I always wanted to distinguish myself from other attorneys by not nickeling and diming other people. But it's interesting, as time went on, I started realizing that this profession kind of evolved into this hourly billing to kind of stop people from just taking advantage of your time and limitlessly, because that's what they'll do, a lot of the people, especially if you're dealing with um, bankruptcy clients, which I've pretty much walked away from, because bankruptcy clients, believe me, a lot of them have a lot more problems than bankruptcy, unfortunately, and I don't say that disparagingly. A lot of bankruptcy clients are in bankruptcy in the first place because they can't think straight. They, have, they do have mental problems, I'm just going to say it. A lot of them do. Some of them don't, a lot of them do. And that's why they're in bankruptcy. And so they have a hard time. Well, they know where the lines are, actually, but they just don't care. Because when you're dealing with desperate people, desperate people are like, they look at you as though you're a life preserver. And when you're drowning in the ocean, you don't give a shit who instinctually you're drowning to save yourself. You don't mind hanging on to somebody and pushing them underwater to buoy or float yourself up if it means you're going to live. Again, I don't think I would do that, but these people do. So just be careful when you're out there in the world um, with people, because a lot of people ask you to do things that they can do themselves. So let me give you a few more examples. I'm not even sure if the Australian chick was a great example, but I wanted to tell you the story because it just happened. But we have a family friend, friend of my dad more than anything. He's my friend too, I guess. Elderly gentleman. He would randomly call me up and ask me to do stuff. Again, I'm a busy guy. Even if I'm not a busy guy, I'm still, I have my own life to live. He would ask me about cars if he needed a new one. And then he would ask me the prices on certain cars. And I'm like, well, I don't know how much these cars are because I don't know. I haven't researched what the prices, the current deals are or lease deals or whatever. And then he would ask me to go research it for him and get back to him with how much the cars are and what the best dealership is to get them. And I'm thinking I would begrudgingly do it, but then I would think what on earth? I don't, I'm so, I was so confused. Why, why are you asking me to do that? I'm not your private shopper. I mean, I am a car guy to a degree, so I'm happy to tell you what I know on the phone, but now me going to that extra, going that extra mile of like, you know, visiting car dealers or communicating with their sales departments and trying to track down the best price for you. I'm not a car broker, but yet I'd get asked that favor from him for the cars or 
you know, random things. And there was always this assumption I was going to go hit the ground running and do it. Um, that's one great example because that would happen all the time. So if you find yourself being asked to do shit for everybody all the time because they gravitate towards you as the, the nice guy, the nice girl, the easy mark, you know, this person will never, you know, that's a problem being super reliable too. You become reliable for everybody because in reality, most people aren't very reliable because they're wisely focusing on their own stuff and living their own lives. Now, I also understand that there's another dynamic in play and it's not a great one. And that is the sense of this, this loss of community that we have here, especially in the States and especially in big cities, you know, it's kind of this survival of the fittest. Everybody's out for themselves. It's all true. Um, you generally don't see it much in smaller towns. One thing I love about being in these small villages in the Philippines is you really see the camaraderie of people and uh, how how everybody kind of helps each other out. And if you've seen this Netflix special about Blue Zones, I'll have to look up the name of it, but there's a Netflix special about Blue Zones. And Blue Zones are these areas in the world where people live abnormally long lives on average. Um, it's nothing new, the study of blue zones. Uh, they're all around the world, but there's just a, there's a recent special on it on Netflix, but they were finding that one of the common commonalities of these communities where people live really long is that there's a, a real sense of community where everybody helps each other. But I want to just kind of be careful here because I don't want to say don't help anybody. Don't help it. Don't, don't become unreliable. Don't not help your family and friends, but in these situations where people are constantly coming to you and it's affecting your life because now you're putting aside what you need to do to help somebody else do what they need to do when they, especially, and listen to me closely, especially when they are capable of doing it themselves, then, um, you know, you need to just kind of put up those walls. So a few tips, let's get to what really matters. How do you navigate this world where people are constantly asking you to do things? Well, number one, ask yourself, is it a priority? Is it make or break for that person? Will they die if I don't do it for them? 99% chance, the answer is no. So one thing you can do is if, you, if they've left a message for you or what have you, take a while to get back to them, if, especially if you know what they're calling about and they need something, take some time to get back to them. Um, I once had this ex-friend, very ex-friend, although I think I had a dream about him the other night. Um, I've talked about him on other podcasts before. He's a great example of somebody that takes advantage of empaths and stuff. But I remember once, you know, he was too lazy to work because heaven forbid he gets a J-O-B, a job. Um, he just kind of like lived off his mom and just not a great person. But I remember once, you know, I had I, so back in... After I finished my MBA, I had taken out a business loan to start a business. So I was working and I was, I had taken out a business loan to start this little, uh, like English school and you know, it didn't go the way I wanted to, a bunch of things came up and I just decided I wanted to leave Toronto anyway. So it didn't really make much sense. So in the interim, I was working on paying back this business loan because that's what you do when you take a loan out, you pay it back. And what was interesting is I just finished paying this business loan back. I was, you know, it's kind of winding everything down my life in Toronto so I could move to California and go to law school and what have you. 
But interestingly, almost like clockwork, as soon as I spent almost a year paying back this business loan and chipping away at it, once I had paid it back, this friend in Toronto, ex-friend, we'll call him Jason, that's what I've called him historically, Jason ends up calling me and when he hears that I had access to this line of credit for that business loan, basically, all of a sudden he wanted me to lend him like $20,000 for my line of credit, which on his face is absolutely stupid because at the end of the day, credit and getting loans is super, super easy. So if you can't get one, it means your credit is terrible. But if your credit is terrible, that's for a reason, right? You're not credit worthy. You're not, you're not deserving of getting a loan. You may think you, you are, you may think you are, but you're not because that's just not how it works. And so he started pestering me to lend him all this money, which he didn't even want me to lend him my money. He wanted me to give him access to my, my loaning ability, my lending, my borrowing ability rather. And so, man, he started calling me every day. He had this preposterous idea that he'll pay it back and he was going to give me all this jewelry from his mom to hold on as collateral. And here I was picturing my mind, like, when this guy doesn't pay me, which he won't, I'm going to be driving around what? Driving around Toronto, trying to pawn all this garbage jewelry he has to try to pay myself back. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Um, so that's a great example of where somebody that needed money and they're asking you to solve their problem when in reality they can solve it themselves. Go get a fucking job. Um, not very hard, not a very hard concept. So I just ignored that asshole for a while. And eventually when he finally, uh, you know, was able to communicate with me, I ignored the phone calls for a couple of weeks. And finally, when I answered begrudgingly, he's like, he started guilt, you know, shaming me for not answering his phone. Why, if I didn't want to, if I was avoiding him because I didn't want to lend him the money, then I should have just told him so. And it's just fascinating. But that's how these narcissistic operators work, right? They, they try to guilt you and shame you. And they make it, they almost make it seem like you're the one paying them back money that, that is owing to them when it's, the, <laughs> I mean, it's so fucking backwards. But I want that, I want to use this one as an example for one thing you can do. And that is the easy way out is avoid them. I know it sounds like the pussy way out, but it is one option just so you know. If you're, if you don't like confrontation and you know the other person's going to be a dick about shit, just ignore them. If you have an iPhone or whatever phone you have, just block their phone number. Just block it. Who cares? Like put yourself first. But the easier thing to do is option number two is set your boundaries and just say no. And if they ask you for a reason, just say no again. And when they say, how come you're not giving me a reason? Just say the word no again. And that's it. Just say, it's my policy. You don't need to give a reason. It's my policy. Um, and so when people are asking you for random stuff, if you don't want to sound like a jerk, just kind of avoid them for a while. I know, you know, this, psychologists listening to this can say, well, that's not a great idea. You shouldn't have to avoid people. Well, you're not an empath probably, <laughs> but sometimes your building, st your building blocks require you to just avoid people. Um, or your third option is just take really long to get back to people. So when I'm, when I'm arbitrarily asked to do t random tasks that people themselves can do, usually I found people ask me to do stuff when they need it done really quickly, um, as though I don't have anything else to do. 
So when they want stuff done, like this, they ask me to do something and they assume that means it's going to be now done this afternoon. I don't even flinch because before I'd get all vexed and I'd be like, oh shit, I got to wipe out my schedule. Where am I going to fit this in? And I thought, man, every other lawyer takes like three, four weeks to get back to people. Why am I like clearing my schedule off to do X, Y, or Z? I remember when I first started practicing, you know, I'd have a list of all the, all the tasks I had to do as a lawyer that day, you know, all to like generate money or work on cases I was getting paid for. And I remember every day I would look at that list and I'd have accomplished maybe one of the 10 things. So finally I kind of did an audit and I'm like, well, why, how come I'm never getting anything done? And I realized what would happen every day is these flunkies would call me and they would ask me to do all these random things uh, for free. And I foolishly would prioritize all this free work for people over the work that I was getting paid for or needed to do to get paid. So as an example, you know, I'd be busy working and then somebody would call saying, oh, well, I, can you write me a letter so that I can talk to my, my loan company or my mortgage company? And I'm like, uh, okay. But then foolishly, instead of me just saying, you know, they'd always be in a rush, right? There's always this gun to their stupid heads. But foolishly, I'd be like, okay. And then I would drop everything I was doing and I'd craft, drop the letter. Then I would try to fax it over to whoever needed it, confirmed. All these things sound like they take a minute. They don't. Uh, they take a long time. You know, it really eats into your day. And so anyhow, I started realizing, man, my, you know, I'm not getting anything done. So now what I started doing is when somebody needs something, I, don't, I take a while to answer. And when I, when I do answer, I'll be like, yeah, I can, I can probably have this to you in the next two weeks. That's it. I can have it in about two weeks. Um, and if they, want it, if they want it faster, here's how much it costs. And you know what? Before, I could never do that because I was worried they would get mad and, you know, like, I don't want to have an unhappy customer. But then you get to a point where you're like, well, you know, this just isn't practical. Who cares if they're unhappy? Because I'm unhappy. And that's what's more important. So always remember, your happiness is more important than everybody else's. And that's a very hard concept for empaths because we're generally people pleasers. And so interestingly enough, the stronger I got and the better I got at telling people no or telling them, yeah, I can do it in a couple weeks or taking long to get back to people, I found nobody got mad. Nobody was like, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but generally people weren't like, how come you isn't answering? Why are you taking so long? Like, they're just like, okay, thank you. And then I would never hear from them again, which means they figured it out on their own. They figured out how to talk to their their mortgage company without my intervention. And I found this over and over and over whenever these people would ask me for this type of legal favor or that type of legal favor, and I would take a while or not get back to them at all, they would, nobody would get mad at me and they would always just figure it out on their own. So what I realized is people were just getting too used to using me for stuff that they could do on their own. And so I stopped doing it or I made it much harder. Um, and I'm also attributing value to my time. So people respect my time more. And so I started transposing that into my real life, you know, my, my non-professional life. And it's working like a charm. I found my life has gone a lot easier. People in general don't ask me for a lot of random stuff anymore. And when they do, there's this assumption without me having told them, they say, oh, well, I know you're really busy. So I don't know if you can help me out with this whenever you're free. And I'll say, yeah, I'll try to, but it's probably going to be a couple weeks. And what I always find is they get it done that day 
or in the next couple of days on their own, through, whether by themselves or through some other mechanism, but they end up figuring it out. And so those are my, my lessons for you today. If you find yourself always being asked to do shit by people, which you probably do as an empath, because that's just what people gravitate towards about you, your helpfulness. Few things. Avoid those people if you can. Take a long time to get back to them. Don't be afraid to say no. The worst case scenario is they just don't ask you that much. And if they get mad, let them get mad and go cry themselves a river so they can drown in their own tears. And then the final thing is, you know, just take a long time to get to actually do this stuff. Set out, set out priorities. First, see, can you do it? What's your schedule like? And always set a two-week limit. Or not limit. Always say, it'll take me a couple of weeks. I found whenever I say it'll take a couple of weeks, but I can help you out. They always do it on their own because nobody wants to wait anymore. This is the society we're in, right? Everybody wants everything now. So what are they going to say? Well, no, you have to do it now. Well, it's not your problem. You don't have to do it now. So that's my advice for you today from the beautiful island of Siargao here in the Philippines. Uh, I'm glad to get this podcast rolling again. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's topic. I got a lot more coming. I'm going to try to podcast every day while I'm here. Um, it's just so beautiful here. The energy is great. So anyways, enjoy and I'll see you guys on the next one.